Folks, you know, I used to be a football fan. I stopped being a football fan. I could not stand the idea of people denigrating that flag and refusing to stand for it. My attitude about folks like that is, please leave. You ought to be thanking God every day of your life that you were born an American. I know that my country's not perfect, but I still love America. Tune in to The Awakening, weekdays at noon central on American Family Radio. Airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh oh. Uh oh. Well, 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 good afternoon. You are, don't, don't adjust your radio dial. You are listening to Airing the Addisons on the American Family Radio Network. However, the unofficial Addison, and I didn't ask the permission, but I've just declared myself to be an unofficial Addison. I mean, we're from New Orleans. Will and I grew up in the same church in New Orleans. Some of y'all may not have known that. Um, so I guess you're getting a little bit of background information on the Addisons. Well, on Will, for sure, and myself. Uh, here on the radio. I guess I, sh- I should say this. Um, those of you who are listening to my voice and who may listen to my program, The Hamilton Corner, that airs on uh, AFR Monday through Fridays at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, which, by the way, let me say this. Uh, you want to tune in today because we're going to have a great guest on today's program. It's going to be Dr. Everett Piper. Um, many of you may know him from... Um, his time as the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. Uh, he wrote a, a pretty impactful book called This Is Not a Daycare, referring to college. Um, and so that, that was one of the major things that, that propounded him to national prominence. Uh, he will be on the Hamilton Corner this evening. But for now, <coughs> Abraham Addison the first. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, this is Abe. I am filling in. Uh, for the Addisons, they are pursuing the Lord's direction in another venue today. I don't know. I don't want to give too much detail. I'm just to say this. They're about the Father's business, and I'm just, I'm just pinch hitting for today. I, I'll say this, too. I don't even know if you, you, you do know this, Jeff. You do know this. Oh, yeah, Jeff, my main man. Jeff was normally to my left. He's on my <laughs> right for this show. Uh, if you listen to my program, one of the major people you have to blame for that, and you listen to this show right now, is Will Addison. Will Addison is responsible for me going on the radio here at a- AFR. The way that this all transpired, and, and some people maybe, I don't know, you, you don't know this, uh, but when I first came to the American Family Association, I didn't come here to do radio. Uh, but the first person here who thought I would be good for the radio was Will Addison. At the time, um, and there were some things even before I even came to AFA. But when we, when I got here, man, I've been sneezing a lot lately. When I got here, 
Will was the one who went to the president of the American Family Association, Tim Wildman, and said, man, I think Abe has a talent and a gift for radio. And I think it would be important for him to get on the radio. And um, I was doing legal work. And so, man, Will then said, well, would it be okay if um, I produced a show for Abe on Urban Family Talk, which at the time was a division of the American Family Radio Ministry. And Tim said, yeah, sure, no problem. So the first program, the Hamilton Corner, began as an afternoon program on Urban Family Talk because Will Addison uh, fought for that program. And, and here's the other thing. He was doing this without my knowledge. I didn't know this was happening. So I found out once it finally was, was given the okay, and then from that point, while I was hosting, and you're going to remember this, Jeff, while I was hosting the Hamilton Corner on Urban Family Talk, uh, something happened to where Brian Fisher had to be out during Focal Point. And <clears throat> I don't know if it was you who asked me, Jeff, or Brian who asked me, one of you guys, asked me if I could fill in for Brian on AFR, and that is how I was introduced to the, to the, the, the entire AFR network. I think it was Brian's idea, but I was the one that asked you. Okay, all right. So that, that's how that all happened, folks. And it, one of the interesting things about it is that at that time, uh, Focal Point was on 1 to 3 in the afternoon, Central Time, and the Hamilton Corner was on at 3 to 4 Central Standard Time. So I did three hours of radio for two days in a row. Uh, and that's how all this happened. And then after I hosted, uh, get, I filled in for Brian sh shortly thereafter. I don't remember the time, the time and dates and all of that. Uh, but later after that, I was invited to do my show on the AFR networks. So I was on both AFR and Urban. And now I'm on AFR as it's all consolidated. So it's a little bit of background information that you probably didn't ask for. Not that I probably, you didn't ask for it. But needless to say, I am grateful for the Addisons. I love them dearly. Uh, <clears throat> I admire them. I respect them. And so this is a privilege for me to fill in for them during this program. Well, now, so where I'm going to begin today, <clears throat> and on my program, I usually start out a bit differently, but I don't want to throw anybody off. I'm sure I'll weave in some of the scriptures during this program. But I'm going to start with something that caught my attention early this morning that it, I mean, it, it, it grabbed me, and it grabbed me for a number of reasons. But I have said uh, publicly that it's amazing to me <clears throat> how regressives uh, are seemingly willing to completely, uh, completely abuse children, to destroy children, to pursue their ideological objectives. Now, I'm very familiar with the fact that uh, secular progressives are called secular progressives, but I refuse to call them progressives because they are not advancing anything. And that idea is not original to me. It's actually original to President Calvin Coolidge. And this actually came to the forefront with me through a conversation with Brian Fisher again. And this is why I say that. President Calvin Coolidge was the 22nd president of the United States of America. He, he served twice. This is before uh, you had, uh, I mean, he served two non-consecutive terms. He was both the 22nd and the 24th president 
of the United States of America, serving from 1885 to 1889, then again from 1893 to 1897. In a, in a speech that President Calvin Coolidge gave after he had already been absented the office of the presidency, the presidency he said this, quote, the principles enshrined in our Declaration of Independence are exceedingly restful. It is often asserted that the world has made a great deal of progress since 1776, that we have had new thoughts and new experiences which have given us a great advance over the people of that day. <clears throat> if all men are created equal, that is final. This is what President Coolidge is saying. If all men are created equal, that is final. If they are endowed with inalienable rights, that is final. No advance, no progress can be made beyond these propositions. If anyone wishes to deny their truth or their soundness, the only direction in which he can proceed historically is not forward, but backward. Those who wish to proceed in that direction can lay no claim to progress. This, ladies and gentlemen, is why I refer to progressives as regressives, because there are certain principles that are final. All men are created equal. That is final. Okay? So any, if anyone wishes to deviate from the immutable principles that are first laid down in the word of God and secondarily enshrined in our Declaration of Independence and Const U.S. Constitution, they can lay no claim to progress, only regression. To say it more simply, if you're saying a man is a woman is a woman is a man, you're not advancing human society. You are regressing human society. If you are an advocate for the unfettered right to tear a child limb from limb in the mother's womb, you are not advancing anything. You are regressing human society. If you are an advocate for the systematic government-endorsed, compelled <laughs> extraction of my private resources for the redistribution of that, those resources, you are not advancing anything. And that's a long way of me saying if you support government-induced theft, you're not advancing human society. You are regressing human society. So, I call them regressives. Now, back to my main point, and I just thought you should have that in case you ever wonder. I wonder why Abe always calls these folks regressives. Now you know. Because they're not advancing society. And I'm not the first to say it. Calvin Coolidge said it in 1926. In 1926. Now, to my, the point I began with, <clears throat> that regressives seem all too willing to abuse children to pursue their objectives. And the, and the way this came to, my, came to my mind is I was watching the 16-year-old the girl, Greta Thunberg is her name, right? When she was speaking, I should have grabbed that audio, uh, before the United, the United Nations. You know, and immediately when I saw it, I said, man, I guess these folks don't understand Isaiah. When, when, when the Lord spoke through Isaiah, when children are elevated to positions of authority, not merely because of their age, but as well as their inexperience, and their lack of prudence, not saying all young people lack prudence, but let's just face it, plenty of them do. But when they are elevated to positions of authority to where their word governs the dialogue, um, that's evidence of judgment. But I guess we don't, we don't understand that in our day and time. And I said, man, these girls, this, this little girl's parents are because they want their five minutes of fame or whatever, and they, they are so committed to this agenda, and this was concerning uh, climate change. I said, man, they're willing to abuse their daughter, put her in, in, in harm's way, subject her to all manner of ridicule, which has happened. 
They have people taking all kinds of shots at the little girl, and she's wrong. I agree. But she's a child. I said, man, that's child abuse. Then my mind immediately turned to, we, we, I have discussed on my program recently, Dr. Ulrich Klopfer and the discovery of 2,246 babies' body parts. Body parts from babies that Dr. Klopfer has killed in his practice as an abortionist over his career. And he had those portions of baby body parts strewn about his home like trophies, medically preserved. I said, man, this, this, this is sick. This is sick. And I thought about um, the guy in Philadelphia, Kermit Gosnell. And there was another doctor in Houston. And the, 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 the supporters of abortion would say that Gosnell was an aberration. You know, this is not standard fare. But the more you learn, the more we learn, you find out this is kind of consistent with this practice. You know, that we have we provided cultural and legal cover for serial killers in the name of abortion doctors? I mean, who else keeps trophies from their kills other than sociopaths? Well, all of that and many other things came to my mind. I was thinking about the willingness uh, to abuse children. And I was thinking about uh, the situation where the transgender ideology is even leading to the place to where the girls track team in Connecticut where the young ladies are unable to compete in their high school track competitions because they have boys running in the girls track meet to where you have a you have a dude who the the year before you know ran as a a, a guy and was like 356th in the country and all of that Oop, switches to a girl number 1 breaking all kind of records you know eradicating the record books for women's track accomplishments because he's born a man born a guy well that led me to this discovery um, not a discovery, but discovery for me this, mor uh, this morning from the Christian Post that there's a new study out that shows more than 6,300 adults have died from reactions to a drug that is used as a puberty blocker in gender-confused children. You heard that right. The FDA, the Food and Drug Administration data, has shown that a drug... It's called Luprom that is used as a puberty blocker for children. It has resulted in the deaths of more than 6,300 adults. <laughs> but we still <laughs> are administering that drug to children. I'm saying on what planet, on what planet can we do that and claim that we are a compassionate society that is advancing and progressing? We know for a fact that this drug kills adults, but we still are giving it to children in the name of regressivism is what I'll call it. And political correctness is the tool that is used to impose this regression on all of society. This is Abraham Hamilton III sitting in for the Addisons. We'll be back after this break. I'm Peter Rosenberger, and this is your Caregiver Minute. For every caregiver, guilt remains a huge obstacle standing between us and a measure of peace in our hearts. In the face of overwhelming odds, we put ourselves in often impossible situations and keep doing it armed with little else than love while spending blood, sweat, and treasure. Yet with all that, we allow guilt over things we can't control or maintain to help push ourselves to the breaking point. 
What would you say to friends doing exactly what you do? Would you criticize them? Heck no. You'd hug them and give them a meal. Furthermore, you'd tell them how amazing they are. Love your neighbor as yourself implies that you love yourself. Loving ourselves doesn't mean narcissism. It means caring for and valuing the extraordinary life that we are and have been given. Today's a great day to release that caregiver guilt and to give ourselves some kindness and grace. This has been your Caregiver Minute with Peter Rosenberger, brought to you by Standing with Hope, a ministry for the wounded and those who care for them. There's more information at standingwithhope.com. So there's this guy named Jordan, and he's a healthy guy. He's a dad of six, and he works as a guide in Alaska. But then he goes to the doctor, and he's diagnosed with cancer, stage four. And here's the thing. He had switched from medical insurance to MediShare, which is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. So the question for Jordan and his wife Jenny was, is this really going to work? Our medical bills exceeded $160,000. MediShare members shared all our bills. And it was about more than just the money, too. This is a real community. MediShare is, is a family, a group of people that stick with you through the hardest times of your life. I just don't know how I could have done it without MediShare. It's so worth looking into. There's a reason this is growing so fast. If you want to find out more, here's a number for you. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. A Moment of Truth with Gary Bryden of the Association of Independent Methodists. What is the heart of worship? Dr. Dennis Kinlaw wrote, it is when God comes out of the distance and into a personal proximity, and we know that we are face to face with God himself, end of quote. The heart of worship is knowing that the God of the universe should be so close to us that he wants us to know him by name and that he knows ours. God desires to become very personal to us and wants us to know him. John 17, three says, quote, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. When we know God, praise and worship result as a natural response. The Association of Independent Methodists, like-minded congregations doing together what can't be done separately. Visit aim2020.com. Welcome back to Airing the Addisons here in American Family Radio. I am Abraham Hamilton III. For today, I'm Abe Addison the first, <laughs> Filling in for the Addisons. If you're looking for the scripture I was referring to uh, when, when children leading were, were in a, a demonstration of judgment, it's Isaiah chapter 3. Uh, you can go read the whole chapter, of course, but verse 12 is a specific verse I was referring to. Uh, obviously not to say that children are automatically, because of their youth, immature but that is that scripture is an example and it's a warning for us to be aware of but before we went to the went to the break um i was discussing this story that 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 i discovered this morning uh that reveals the fda <laughs> has found we know this this is information that's available to us the food and drug administration has data that shows a, a drug that's used for puberty blockers it's killed over 6,300 adults. 
So what do you think that's going to do to children? So let's, I'm going to dig into it a little bit. And this is what the FDA document, the FDA data says specifically. Between 2012 and June 30th of this year, the FDA has documented over 40,764 adverse reactions suffered by patients who took luprolide acetate, commonly known as Lupron. Luprolide acetate, which is used as a hormone blocker. More than 25,500 reactions logged from 2014 to 2019 were considered serious, including 6,370 deaths. 6,370 deaths in adults. Nevertheless, Lupron is being prescribed off-label for use in children who have been diagnosed with gender dysphoria, despite the lack of formal FDA approval for that purpose. Excuse me if I'm getting a little worked up. But this is another example of what I'm talking about, that regressivism is so demented. It's so demented that we are willing to destroy and to abuse children to accomplish this objective. These drag queen story hours where you have, you know, men dressing up as women, you know, twerking and whatnot. That's an outward demonstration. Well, here we know this chemical, Lupron, these drug, this drug has resulted in the death of adults. Yet, even though the FDA has this, the FDA has this data, and the FDA has not approved the usage of this drug to address the psychological pathology referred to as gender dysphoria. Doctors are prescribing it for children anyway. Now you tell me whether or not that's child abuse. You tell me whether or not it's child abuse. This drug, Lupron, is clinically approved. It is not clinically approved for gender dysphoria. An endocrinologist from California named Dr. Michael Laidlaw exposed back in April of this year that there are doctors giving testosterone to gender-confused girls as young as eight years old. And Dr. Laidlaw, who is an endocrinologist, said, wait a minute, gender dysphoria is a psychological pathology. Why are they using a drug to address this mental pathology. And it's just the latest example of what I'm talking about, of the willingness to liter literally abuse children. I mean, in abortion, they tell them limb from limb. But, well, I mean, it's a woman's right to choose, right? Wrong. Where are we as a society, man? This, this, is, this is crazy town where we are living. Crazy town. But I want to encourage you, uh, Christ followers, to not be wearied, to not be wearied by the press of the culture, the continuous squeeze, the continuous efforts to basically try to try to silence you and to intimidate you to step back and to step away from engaging in the culture. I'm going to give another example. So. <laughs> There's a pastor in North Carolina. His name is Bishop Patrick Wooden, who is the founder of Upper Room Church of God in Christ. I don't know him personally. I've only seen um, videos of him preaching in different places. Um, and prior to the sermon, from what I understand, it is 
Bishop Wooden's practice to kind of comment on some of the things that are percolating throughout society before going into his sermon. That's from what I understand. If I'm wrong, I'm open to be corrected on that. Uh, but this past weekend, before preaching, um, <laughs> because he's in North Carolina, which is also home of the NFL football team, the Carolina Panthers. And he had some interesting comments pertaining to Cam Newton, the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers football team. I want you to listen to his comments first, and then I'm going to weigh in on this. It's clip number one, Jeremy. All this crazy stuff that's going on now in the world, we're not with that stuff. Amen. We're not with that stuff. I think that, uh, speaking of craziness, I think that uh, Skip, Shannon, um, Stephen A., and all of them, all these sportscasters, they're such hypocrites. They're such hypocrites. They're such, they're such weasels. They are weasels. They're weak. They'll do what they have to do to keep their job. They talk about Cam Newton and talk about his shoulder, talk about his foot, and how he's not throwing the ball right and all that. A man standing there in a scarf, dressed like a woman, six feet five inches tall, built like a Greek god, 250 pounds, maybe one or two percent body fat, muscles everywhere, dressed like a woman. Now, when you listen to the entire, obviously this radio show, so I can't play the whole sermon, the whole message. Uh, obviously, he's not referring to a, a Greek god in a positive manner. Um, but he hit on something. I thought, man, you sh that's the exact thing I thought when I saw Cam Newton. So, so what happened? And if, you, if you're not aware, if you hadn't seen it, and so Cam Newton is a football player who is known to be rather flamboyant in his fashion attempts, all right? The, the guy, <laughs> listen, if you know me, you know I have a one-man stand against skinny pants. You will never catch Abe in skinny pants. I don't care what happens. Skinny pants and Abe shall never, the two meet. All right. But Cam Newton don't have any problem with skinny pants. You know. <coughs> he has. <laughs> I just said that we had questionable fashion choices. Right. After the most recent football game, this dude showed up in his, the post-game conference. He had on what looked like a bonnet. Like a, a headscarf wrapped around his head like my grandmother used to wear when I was a little boy. And the bishop, Cam Newton is like six foot five inches tall, 260 something pounds. And he's wearing a headscarf. And what Bishop Wood, Wood, Wooden is pointing out is that all of these commentators are talking about, as he said, Cam Newton's foot, his injuries and his play and are completely sidestepping the fact that the man is wearing a bonnet. The man is wearing a bonnet. <laughs> and everyone is okay with this? Nobody's going to say anything to this? And, and this is why I wanted to present this to you as an example of what normalization looks like on display. Now, we should have, we should have had massive outcry. For a man dressing like a woman. But can I tell you something? 
the foundation has been laid for this type of foolishness through comedy. You had all of these com comedians. I remember Jamie Foxx did it on In Living Color. Uh, you had Jim Carrey doing it. Uh, you know, you had, you know, you name it. You had Martin. You had all of these comedians doing it and people, he, 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 laughed at it. And I remember I was told that, hey, you're just a stick in the mud. Because I remember when I was in college, I had friends and they were talking about Madea. I was like, man, I'm sorry, but I can't laugh at a big old man running around in a dress. I don't care what kind of accent. I don't care how many times you say hello. I don't, I don't care. None of that don't make a difference in me because I can't sidestep the fact that this is a man wearing a dress. And then you go forward, you see uh, there are efforts by these clothing designers that are consistently masculinizing women's clothing and feminizing men's clothing. And I remember telling my wife, is it just me? Or are they starting to cut suit pants a little tighter for men? This is ridiculous, man. And I said, this is nothing more than an effort of that, that is demonically inspired, though I know not everybody who's participating in it understands the spiritual roots of it, but it is a demonic effort to normalize the feminization of men. And it's not lost on me that you have a quarterback, which is the preeminent position in NFL football, the highest paid, the most prominent position, that you have this dude standing up in front of the cameras looking like a dude. I mean, looking like a woman. And everybody's acting like it's normal. Nobody's saying anything about that. That's okay. Now, it's not lost on me as well that ESPN, which is the company that uh, Stephen A. Smith works for, is owned by Disney. So I understand where they are coming from. And listen, I know some people who laughed, they didn't understand some of the spiritual implications of it. But the Lord made us male and female intentionally. That we as humankind, men and women, are equal in value, are qualitatively equal before the Lord, but we are not identical. And there is a push, there is a push that is demonic at its core that wants to mar any distinctions between man and woman and to cobble us together as one big, undecipherable, indistinguishable, amalgamated goo of humanity. Which is nothing but a big finger in the eye of God when the Lord says he made us both male and female. The enemy will say, you say that. But did God surely say? Did God surely say they're male and female? No, we don't need men to have distinctions. You could be six foot five, 250 pounds and a football player and stand up and looking at me like you're a whole woman. And e evidence of the normalization of it is that none of these commentators will say anything about it. And many of you, if you bring this up, you say, man, I was listening to this crazy dude from New Orleans on the radio. And man, he was talking about Cam Newton looking like a girl on the television comp, on, on, on the, the, the post-game interview. Some of you might not even want to say that because you know the responses you're going to get. Oh, you're just a bigot. You're just a bigot. You're, you're a backwoods with that old antiquated thinking. You're, you're, you're just... You're just, oh, you, you in that Bible, you're just a bigot. And the thing I want to say <laughs> is we are in this culture, but we're not of this world. Times change, but God doesn't. <laughs> the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You know, and if our society chooses to regress, <laughs> 
to attempt to turn away from God's standards. That doesn't mean we should turn with them. I remember my dad used to tell me, well, Abe, if everybody jump off the bridge, does that mean you're going to jump off the bridge too? And, and there are a lot of people who think peer pressure only affects children. How many of you have been intimidated by the culture when you see what you know is wrong, but because you know it's not politically correct, you won't say anything? See, Paul, in writing to the Colossian believers in chapter 2 of, of his epistle to the Colossians, verse 8, he says, See to it that no man take you captive by hollow and deceptive philosophy that depends upon human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than upon Christ. My question is, have you been taken captive? I see LeBron James, 6'9", 280 pounds, running around with get it girl shorts on and carrying a purse. You say, no, Abe, it's not a purse, it's a man bag. That's a purse. James Harden, all these guys, they say, well, it's an expensive bag. That's a purse. And you have these fashion designers that give them these clothes and encourage them to wear these things. And you may not even recognize it. But what they know is that these things are formulating the opinions and shaping the mindsets of the children who look up to them. And it's a slow creep. Nobody want to say anything. Well, I won't say nobody, because obviously Bishop wouldn't say something. And I know there are some of you who are listening, you say something. But folks, don't allow the world to take you captive. And it's instructive to note that when Paul writes that to the Colossian believers, see to it that no man takes you captive, he is writing that to believers in Colossae. That's a real city in modern-day Turkey that Paul was saying, listen, I know you are Christians, but the potential exists for you to be taken captive. The potential exists for you to be taken captive, but resist it. Don't do it. I made a statement in my program the other day. If you don't know who you are and you're not confident to stand in the identity of God has given you, the world will give you its identity. The world has no problem, no problem telling you, hey, hey, it's all right for a man to wear a bonnet. It's okay. And I don't mean this in any way to be insensitive to people who may be struggling with identity and things of this nature. But it's it's a complete difference between struggling and giving over and saying this is our identity. See, what we need in our society are not <laughs> intimidated self-professing Christians. We need people who are willing to speak the truth in love. Now, it doesn't mean that we need to be belligerent. It doesn't mean that we need to be hostile. It doesn't mean we need to even be aggressive. But what we do need to have is we need to be resolute. Peter wrote, whenever you have the opportunity, whenever you have the opportunity to any who asks you, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. So when asks, ask, all we need to say is, man, I got a problem with Cam Newton dressing in women's attire. You, be, you can begin with the Old Testament and walk all the way up to the New Covenant to where effeminacy is condemned in men in this what does it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. In hard times, Pablo Picasso had to burn his paintings simply to survive and keep warm. Before you hastily agree that you'd make the same choice, 
Think of what you really value in your life. Would you be willing to sell or walk away from those things? Many of us simply place value on the wrong things, and oftentimes we do it unintentionally by simply not spending the time we should with family and other important people in our lives. What do you value more, things of eternal significance or things that are temporal? Focus on the eternal things, for that is the beginning of godly wisdom. Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. More at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. The purpose of government is to secure God-given or inalienable rights to man. America's premier historian, David Barton. John Dickinson, who's also a signer of the Constitution, he said, an inalienable right is a right which God gave to you and which no inferior power has a right to take away. Wall Builders Live captures the ideas of the Founding Fathers and then applies those ideas to the issues of today. Sunday morning at 1130 Central on American Family Radio. Hey, wanna go shopping later? Yeah, sure, where you wanna go? Oh, we can go to JCPenney's, Belk, Target. Whoa, wait, I was with you until you said Target. What's wrong with Target? What's wrong with Target? You mean besides the fact that they have an open-door policy that lets men into women's restrooms, that Target? Wait, what? Exactly. As a matter of fact, before we go, grab your laptop, go to afa.net, and sign the pledge to boycott Target. Okay, I'm on it. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt, credit card debt, and I heard a commercial for Trinity. I gave them a call. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called, I was a little embarrassed and kind of ashamed, and I looked at the numbers and I saw how quickly that astronomical debt that was in my life would go away. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. What I would tell other people, please pick up the phone and call Trinity. Just let them put together a program and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Welcome back to the. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison <laughs> here on American Family Radio. Uh, before we went to the break, you know, it just just keeping it real. I'm used to doing my show, so the bumper music and stuff I'm not used to. So I ran out of airtime, ran out of space. But what I was getting to is that it's it's amazing to me how in today's age we want to completely eliminate portions of scripture. <laughs> you know. It's like we, we treat the, the script, we treat the Bible like it's a buffet. You know, we take what we want and we leave what we don't. You know? But the scripture condemns effeminacy in there. Condemns that. So who are we as a society to say, you know what? We know what the word of God says. Some maybe not, maybe don't know what the word of God says. But then there's some folks, there's some who know what the word of God says, but they are so intimidated by the culture. They have such a desire to be accepted by certain crowds. They have such a desire to receive the accolades of men that they're willing to mute 
what the word of God says in order to not offend. And which, which in and of itself is kind of an oxymoron because Jesus said that the gospel is an offense. One of the messianic prophecies is that Jesus Christ is the stone that the builders rejected. The New Testament refers to Jesus as the stone of offense or the stone of stumbling. That at, at some level, in order for the gospel to be received, there has to be an offense at some point. You know? <laughs> but we, we have some folks, and, and look, this is going to be tight, but it's right. We have some folks, if we were honest, we love the approval of men more than we love the Lord. I know that I know that sounds harsh. I know it sounds harsh, but we're willing to tap tap dance for men and and you know almost hit the Lord with with the rain check. Lord, you know what I mean, Lord. In private, you know? Nah, man, the time that we're living in requires that we stand. Because the thing is, and I say this repeatedly, ideas have consequences and bad ideas create casualties. There are people because of the unwillingness or the outright refusal by some who have the light. You know, let, let me go there real quick. I wasn't planning to do this, but I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 5 for those who are turning in the Bible. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't have time to. Some of you came to the conference like, hey, you don't have time to preach a whole sermon. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, <clears throat> Jesus made, made a point that I want to highlight. And this is a very basic point, but it nevertheless is profound. And I think it's just something we need to revisit in our day, in our age. In Matthew chapter 5, this is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> Jesus makes this statement. I'll start at verse 13, where he says, You are the salt of the earth. This is Jesus talking uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, in the same way that a light is put on a stand and it gives light to all the house, in the same way, let your light so shine before people among men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So first of all, right out of the bat, the commitment to living a godly life, to putting our light on the lampstand and making it visible is so that God may be glorified. The goal here is not self-aggrandizement. The goal here is not, you know, shining off, uh, shining off our own medal of self-proclaimed piety. It's so that the Lord may be glorified. Okay, that's the goal. But now let me go back. So the U's in verse 13 and verse 16, when he says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, those U's are plural in the Greek. They're plural. So what Jesus is literally saying in the Sermon on the Mount, it's the largest, the longest recorded sermon from Jesus. He's saying to the immediate hearers of his Sermon on the Mount, including his disciples, as well as all of us who are now disciples of, Je disciples of Jesus Christ, we likewise have salt and light duty. All right? Now, Jesus goes on in verse 14 and says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Then in verse 15, he draws from his awareness of the Jewish home, which is usually a small home, and says, no do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, 
and it gives light to all that's in the house. So what Jesus is explaining there is that it's one thing to have the light. Okay, it's one thing to have the light. But in order for the light to be maximally effective to accomplish the task of full illumination, that light must be elevated to a pinnacle elevation. The lower the light is, the more limited the impact of the light's glow will be. The higher that the light is elevated, you see, because you may have the light and you may be in one part of the small Jewish home. And if you have the light, guess the only people who get the benefit of that light? The ones who are closest to you. But for the people who are in the, are in the farther reaches of the Jewish home, in order for their rooms to be illuminated, the light must be put on a lampstand. To, to make it make it a little, a little practical. So one of the things I do is I for AFA behind the scenes, is I deal with tower situations, things of that nature. And you see some of these advertisements from the cell phone companies who say things like this. We're on the same towers as Verizon. Right. We're on the same towers as such and such company. What they don't convey to you in those advertisements is they don't tell you the elevation where their. Communication equipment is on those towers. You want to know why? It's one thing to be on the same tower with Verizon, but that does not communicate or indicate to you how strong your signal will be when you're traveling. You want to know why? In order to have the most broad signal, you need to be on the top of the tower. So you might be on the same tower as Verizon, but that doesn't mean you have the same type of coverage Verizon is going to have. Why? Because being at the top of the tower is what's give, what gives Verizon or the bigger companies the most expansive coverage. That's why Verizon had those commercials. Can you hear me now? Good. You see, because the elevation on those towers is what dictated the potency of their signal. Now, do you understand what Jesus was talking about? Putting the light on the lampstand? Jesus says, it's, yes, it's one thing to have the light. But people don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. If you have the light, why would you keep it to yourself? I will never forget. Never forget. I heard the. The atheist Penn Jillette from the Penn and Teller duo from Las Vegas. And Penn Jillette, who was an atheist, he said, I have no respect for Christians who don't proselytize was the word he used. Proselytize just means to evangelize. I have no respect for Christians who won't proselytize. He was asked why. He said, he said, because I can't think of any greater demonstration of utter contempt for your fellow man than for you to know, for you to be fully persuaded and confident that there is eternal life available for us and you refuse to tell anybody about it. I can't think of no greater demonstration of utter contempt. You mean to tell me you believe that there is eternal damnation. You believe there's a thing called hell, an eternal and perpetual torment, and you know the way to escape that torment and you won't even tell your fellow man about it? Brothers and sisters, none, no one lights a lamp and put it under a basket. Jesus says we are a city. We are like a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. But for too many of us, we allow the culture to tell us, no, no, no. Don't mention what you see. Cam Newton is not wearing a bonnet. No, 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 no. These basketball players are not carrying purses. They're not selling high low dresses to men. High-low dresses to men. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is crazy town, folks. And very simply, when I'm talking about the casualties that are created from these bad ideas, 
There are people that are trapped in these ideas and they don't know how to escape. And the society is telling them, oh no, you don't need to change. I remember I had the conversation with, uh, on, on my radio program, program on the Hamilton Corner and it was dealing with California, which interestingly uh, just passed a resolution, just adopted a resolution. Uh, the California state legislature is going to tell pastors and others that they need to uh, accept sexual deviancy, you know, uh, because they are, they're negatively affecting mental health. All right. Well, the state of California uh, was passing a resolution concerning what they call conversion therapy. You know, and I said, it, isn't it amazing? It certainly is amazing to me that the very same people, the spokesmouths, the talking heads who will say things like, oh, gender is fluid. Gender is fluid. There's no such thing as binary uh, 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 gender is what they call it. I don't even use the term gender. I, call, I say sexuality. But the same folks who say gender is fluid are the exact same ones who want to shut the door on people who are having unwanted same-sex attraction who want to flow away from what's politically correct. I said, now, wait a minute. You can't have it both ways, chief. If gender is fluid, that means it flows all over the place. So why do you have an opposition to people who are attempting to help those who have unwanted same-sex attraction to flow away from that unwanted same-sex attraction? See, it's a trap. Gender is fluid, but it only flows one way. You know, it's like the tolerance advocates, you know? We'll tolerate you as long as you agree with us. That's what it is. We'll tolerate you as long as you say what we want you to say. Ain't that right, Drew Brees? Oh, we love Drew Brees. Ooh, come back, kid. You know, from my hometown team, the Saints. Then Drew Brees spoke up, didn't even say anything about homosexuality, but said something about bring your, encouraging children to bring their Bibles to school, which just so happened to be supported by our organization, focused on the family that believes what the Bible says about human sexuality and marriage. And the same folks who loved Drew Brees before, they came out for him in mass. But what I'm saying, and what I want to encourage you with, is man, take a stand. Again, it does not have to be belligerent. We must be loving. But we must be loving from an eternal perspective. So much so to where we will gently, humbly make our appeals, beginning with our loved ones, as well as to those whom the Lord bring, brings into our spheres of influence. Not putting anybody on blast. We don't need to blast people out in public. We don't need to make a, make a, you know, and embarrass people and things of that nature. But man, at some point, at some point, we have to tell the truth, especially if we claim to love people. If we love people, at some point, we have to tell the truth. Especially if there is a revelation that they are embroiled and the type of thinking and the type of understanding that unless there is some repentance that takes place, eternal damnation is the result. Now, some of you are thinking, wait, Abraham, thinking? Yes, because the word repentance in Greek, it comes from the Greek word metanoia. Meta, M-E-T-A, the transliteration means with, noia, with the mind. So the core of repentance is a mind change. Seeing an adjustment in conduct is the fruit of that repentance being put on display. And that is what we are called to do when the Apostle Paul is writing by unction of the Spirit of God. 
that we are to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That word imaginations is, is from the root word in Greek, logos, logic, understanding. So what we're confronting is what I refer to unaffectionately as stinking thinking, castles in the mind. Castles in the mind. They must be confronted at some point. Casting down those logos, those logismas that exalt themselves against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because Christ is the light, and a light is not meant to be put under a basket. So if the light is going to have the maximum efficacy, and we have the responsibility of being salt and conveying the light, cascading the light, then we have to put it on the lampstand. We have to put it on the lampstand. Resist the temptation of this world and of this culture and the press of society to shut down. We need to think through and pray through, man, what would I do? When, not if, when I will have to give a reason for the hope that I have. Because if you haven't noticed yet, just like Drew Brees, I mean, nobody would have thought somebody would come for Drew Brees. I mean, not Drew. Not Drew. From the comeback kids bringing New Orleans back after Hurricane Katrina, and they sh they're coming for Drew. Look, nobody's going to be able to hide out. None of us are going to be able to hide out. We need to prepare ourselves on the front end. So that when those time, when that time comes, we don't need to deliberate then. I know we're getting close to the show, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that is the exact example we have in the three Hebrew boys in the, in the, the book of Daniel. Where Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, that is the, their Hebrew names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are the Babylonian names that Nebuchadnezzar gave to them. But Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, when confronted with the requirement to bow down before the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, they responded to Nebuchadnezzar by saying, we don't need to be careful in answering you, which means that we don't have to think about what we're going to do. We know what we're going to do. Our God is able to deliver us, but even if he does not, we still refuse to bow before your statue. I call those showing up moments. The way that you will be able to respond in the showing up moments that are on stage is that you have prepared an anonymity before you understand the three Hebrew boys before Nebuchadnezzar, you have to go back to the 10-day table of testing and how they stood on God's word. They stood in their commitment to God early on before they ever were put on the stage and that empowered them to stand when the showing up moment arrived for them. This is Abraham Hamilton III, City in for the Addisons. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you all and may you stand firm on the rock. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.